premise we keep putting out simple. And you'll know the problem by the solution. What we're saying is that there's a mental process and that mental process produces a product. The product is A-U-A-Y-O-U. The mind becomes identified as that product and then it becomes you. The A drops off. You have immunity when it's A-U if it's another one than you. Yeah. I mean, I can have great, great wisdom about Tony's thoughts, but the same thoughts I'll have absolutely no wisdom about if I hold them as mine. Yeah. So it's this identification with this mental process, this product of one called a self, which is a feeling of being a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. So it's a thought, really, wrapped with a feeling. It wouldn't be so convincing if it was just a thought, but with the feeling, you have a vague sense of being one all day. Well, that's this, there is a sense, and then the mind interprets it as it's being, that's what informs you that that's you, is that sense. Yeah. You as a separate entity. So the mental process, I call it, is selfing, and it's making up a product called a self, which is sort of a noun. Yeah. So out of the verbing, there's a sense of being a noun. So as soon as that verbing makes up that illusion of being a noun, and then the mind, I know I'm not talking about the mental process, but mind becomes identified with that. Yeah? It sees what the mental process is presenting, and it takes it to be it. Yeah? It takes it, that to be it. It goes, oh, so that's what I am. Because yeah? it's, it's confronted with an oneness, yeah? and it actually doesn't know what that oneness means, so the mental process gets, this is what it means. It means you're a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. Yeah, this. And so the mind becomes identified with that idea. And now the verb of selfing isn't seen as a verb. It's seen as I'm thinking. Yeah? So the expression of consciousness in contact here, which would be seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, and touching, is now seen as I'm seeing that. I'm hearing this. I'm feeling that. I'm smelling. I'm tasting. So the conscious contact, which is really the demonstration of being here. Yeah. Consciousness, how would it, what would be a verb of consciousness would be conscious of. Yeah. So conscious of going on all day. But we take that conscious of as conscious as Paul. Yeah. And that slight little blip makes a whole different picture. Yeah? It's like at the initial wiring, it makes so if there was like a little, let's say you were, there was a lot of light coming through a projector and there was a little bit of film in that projector. And in that film, there was just a tiny little burn mark or a dot. But there was a lot of light and it, and it projected a giant picture. But that little dot would be a very, very big dot, yeah? The more light, the more po uh, projection, the bigger the, the bigger the dot is. It would actually, your attention and interest would go to that dot more than the movie itself. You'd be seeing, you know how it happens when you see something, there's a mistake in something? Your mind tends to go there. So, this mental process, making up this sense of being a self, has captured our interest and attention. Why? Because it, we think it's us. This is another one. So here's this mind, and in Buddhism they say the ordinary mind and the enlightened mind are the same mind. And so the mind is now reflecting this idea of being a self. Now the mind can entertain unbelievable things, or no things actually. It has an incredible ability to entertain and it also, and so if it's so, here it is, it has this incredible ability to entertain, and yet it's entertaining being a self, you know, identified as a body. As soon as it entertains this, now all of its ability to entertain is now determined by it's going to entertain everything as this. Yeah? 
So it entertains life as this, and life seems like a separation. Life seems like a duality. Life seems like there's me and you. Life seems a total different way when that ability to entertain is been subjected or subjugated under its first entertaining, which is I'm a self. Yeah? As soon as it entertains I'm a self, everything else it entertains is entertained as a self. So obviously, if self entertains enlightenment, self taking itself to be the subject, enlightenment has to be an object to it. Yeah? Enlightenment has to be something that I'm going to do and have to get. Or the truth is going to be an object to me as the subject. Or peace is going to be something that I can get. Yes? I can have peace. And if you believe you can have peace, you can also believe you can lose peace. That's the dilemma here. Yeah? So if you believe you can be enlightened, you can believe you'll be unenlightened. I know some person who says they've been enlightened three times. It's one life. I mean, how many enlightenments does it take? Yeah? To just flip the switch. Yeah? So... This idea, so what we're saying is, my dilemma and all my dilemmas are based in this major little bit of a miscalculation. I'm taking a mental process, this product as me. Yeah? And as soon as I do that, I'm jettisoned into a mental realm. Yeah? A mental realm where, in this moment, there's like two branches of mental entertainment, which is past and future. But they only appear now. They only can happen now. There is no past. There's no airport you can fly to in the past. You can't make a reservation at a five-star hotel in the past. Nor is there a, a, a cruise ship you can take to the future. There, there are mental realms that are being visited now yeah, in the mind. You can't visit them any other way. You can't vi visit them physically, can you? You can't go there. So the only way you can visit them is in the mind. And it's really funny because people believe they have free will, but if you notice, during the whole day, they don't feel like they have any free will. But when they think about the past and the future, they believe they have a lot of free will. They actually believe if they would have done something different, it wouldn't have been this way now. They go into, if only, which means, if only I did what? What does that mean? It means that... Everything that you believe has happened, or the meaning it all has, was based on you. Yeah? Because you could have done something different, and there would have been a different meaning. Now, in recovery, they say, to me, this falls under the category of plain God. Yeah? Which it says in recovery, the how and why of the whole program, which means it's a comprehensive view of the program. The how and why of it all is to quit playing God. Why? It doesn't work. How does it play God? It's not making this moment in a sense. This moment is appearing, yes? So it's not playing God there, but in this moment it can make up a past and a future where it really can play God in. Because when you think of yourself in the past, how do you view yourself as a body? Yeah? Obviously, you can't think of yourself as a past spirit. And when you're worrying about you in the future, what are you worrying about you as? A body. Yeah. This is called the identification as a self. So in the mental realm, it, it's God. It is the supreme being. It's the I, you, me. It's the, it's the center of the whole system called self-centeredness. It is this idea of being you. And there is a cherishing of it by mind. People say they want to be free, but they don't really want to be free. They want to want to be free on their own terms. People really don't want, they want things to get better, but just as they are now. And maybe if push comes to shove, they'll admit, yeah, I, I'd like to get a better self. But they don't really want to turn the self in. They just want to get a better version of it. Because they really believe that if I could only manage better, then everything would go swimmingly for me. It's the major delusion in recovery, is that people believe, if I could only manage just a little bit better, and if everyone just did what I wanted them to do, then everything would be great for me, and hence, they would be great for them. Why? Because it's great for me. It would be like the trickle-down effect. Yeah. As, well, as everything's going well with me, they must be going well with you. Because you should be thinking of me, obviously. My welfare. So this self-centeredness, 
So in the mental realm, you seem to exert a lot of free will. Every time you go in the past, in the mind, and it's, you go down the little hallway of if only, what is that? If only, I, if, I, if only they wouldn't have done something, or I wouldn't have done something, or if I would have done something, and they would have done something, then things would have been different. What's that? It's based on a premise that things could have been different. How could they have been different? How can you go back, and how are you going to change what, in a sense, right now has never happened? How is it impossible? But in the mental realm, what's not happening does have, doesn't have any parameters such as, of, such as it being real or not. It doesn't care. It just goes into what's not happening, and anything can happen there. So you can think that, oh, I could have had two kids if I was a woman. And then bemoan the fact you don't have kids, but you're not a woman. Yeah? You're missing an important fact. And the mind just goes off, assuming, you know, no facts, no, no facts are welcome here, and it just goes off. Yeah, doesn't it? So, the mind goes into what's not happening at a drop of a hat. And in what's not happening, anything can happen. But it's only happening now. What's not happening can only happen now in a mental realm. It can't happen in this realm, can it? I mean, I can think as much as I want about tomorrow, can I make it appear here? I can seem to make it appear in my head, but I can't make it appear in your head. You're in like last Wednesday, maybe. Yes? It's very, it's very unusual when we combine our two what's not happening and they fit perfectly. It's usually a little bit off, you know, because there's a lot of time both ways. So it's very different. It's like hitting the lottery. So here I am in what's not happening about tomorrow. No matter how much I think about it, no matter how many feelings are produced in my body by thinking about it, it still will not make it appear here, will it? I haven't seen it. I'm sure someone here is thinking about another day or another night. I haven't seen, oh, here comes Tuesday. Who's thought of Tuesday? Was it sunny? It's Tuesday's in. You know? No, nothing's manifesting. The whole immunity to all of that mental realm is that it's not happening. Not like you're thinking it's happening. There, it's happening in thought, but it's not happening as the thought tells you. Yeah? It's happening in thought, but it's not happening as the thought presents it. It presents it as if it's real now, but it's only appearing in thought. You have never left this moment. The whole idea of having to get into this moment is totally ridiculous. I would question your ability to get out of the moment. I think it's impossible. It's impossible to leave this moment. Yet there's tons of books about how to get into the moment. That would assume that you could be out of the moment. I don't believe that. I think the moment and you are in cahoots. There couldn't be a moment for you without you. Yeah? For a moment to be a moment, something has to observe the moment. Something has to be conscious of the moment, or it wouldn't be a moment in your life. That's your role. Now, if that role is upended by being identified with the mental process, and then your attention and interest is enslaved to a mental realm, then for all intents and purposes, you can be unconscious of your major role in every moment, which is being conscious in the moment. Yeah. Without you, there ain't no moment. But now, most of us are inherent, just for all intents and purposes, are unconscious about the moment. Because we've got to become addicted to the mental realm. We rather have, we rather pay attention or sit in the auditorium and let the mental process represent our days than to really live them. Maybe they seem safer or more able to be known, but somehow, but basically, we've given over our sense of being conscious of what's happening to be informed about what's happening through thought basically. 
So the head tells us what's going on. It tells us what went on. It tells us what's going to go on. It tells me how I am, how I was, how I will be, how you are, how you were, how you will be. It plays God in, in, in a very small kingdom in the moment, and it doesn't even appear, the kingdom. There's no gate. You can't enter. You can't leave. It doesn't even appear in this place, and yet it's dominating, quote-unquote, this place all day. So when someone walks in the room, how many people experience walking in the room? Mostly, they're, they're thinking as they're walking in the room about, did anyone see me walk in the room? Are my pants too short? Or my zipper down or something? Is that person I really want to meet in the room tonight? It's just yapping and yapping and yapping. We have a little lineage, the great lineage of Yapping, yeah? with the Grand Master Nagar. So there's this, and she's like a Jewish grandmother. Just nad, 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 nad. The mind is just going off. And the mind can't pull itself away from the self in. How did it get so hooked on the self in? It wasn't hooked in when you first were born, unless you were thrown into a very fearful situation. When you were born, and even for a few years, your mind was pretty much unbound to any ideas of time. Yeah. So when you were playing, you weren't really worrying about would you be playing later. And the reason why you were totally in your life, you didn't believe you could be anywhere else. Your head hadn't entertained the option of being in a there and a then yet. It was just confronted or presented with the ear, and that's all it got, and that's what it responded to. And there was a certain sense of living and equality that we're lacking now, which is that wonder and awe, the spontaneity, the immediacy. So when you really flip out about not getting what you want, it would move very quickly out of you. Yeah? You flip out as a kid, and then this next second, you were totally fine. It was like everything was fluid, things were moving, not getting stored yet, but moving, moving, and moving, and a processing, and a moving, and a moving, and there was like a, a traveling lighter there. But then the thinking started to dominate. And then the thinking got its flagpole, which is, what am I going to be thinking about today? Me. You had no idea what that meant. Yeah? But there was a me. There was an idea of being a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. And then the thoughts started moving around it. And because it's almost like a centrifuge. It moved around it so much that since it almost made up something of flesh and blood blood by looking at the body said, yes, this is me. And how I'm going to navigate in this life is I'm going to think about it. I'm going to think about you, I'm going to think about them, I'm going to think about me quite a lot. And then you saw what happened. For me, when I was a kid, there'd be pictures of my family and I was a little cherub and my whole family looked like, you know, Hallmark Hall of Fame family, you know, beautiful. And then uh, about when I hit five or six, They'd have pictures of my family, and I was looking at my mother suspiciously. I was like looking at her. <laughs> I'd already started to separate. I'd already started to isolate. Where did I isolate to? Up into this little mental cavern. My head started to represent my life. Not my life, life. And it represented it as if it was mine. And represented it, and represented it, and represented it. And then sooner and later, more and more sooner, I started just to refeel. There was no new feelings anymore. Just refeeling, rethinking, rehashing, representing. And the main preoccupation of the mental process was the product of it, the idea of being a self. What happened to some of us? Some of us had a disease of mind and perception called alcoholism. And if you really look at it, you cannot take an x-ray of alcoholism. You won't find it. There's no tumor in there called alcoholism. There's no white, you know, gray blood cell that's alcoholism. It's, a men it's infected the mental process. And if the mental process is what makes up the idea of being a self and reinforces it all day, then if you have alcoholism as this body and as this brain, yeah, it's going to 
infect the presentation of self. The mental process is going to produce a self that's going to have common traits. And that's what we've learned, hopefully, in meetings of recovery. We go into meetings of recovery, and maybe most of us, I don't know about you, but I had a real sense of terminal uniqueness. I didn't, without questioning it, I thought no one had my feelings. And definitely no one did the heinous things that I did out there. And no one had my thoughts. I was totally isolated in my little mental realm. And then I listened to everyone else at the meetings. And after about a month or so, I had to come to some conclusion. And there was only two I could come up with, which was, how did these people get my thoughts? and my feelings and my reactions to life. How did they? Because I heard people who I would have never associated with share the exact same feelings I'd been going through that day and had the same thoughts I'd been running around with years and had done the heinous acts that I had done given a similar situation in life. So what I found, and it was such a beautiful gift in, in recovery, that I don't identify with who you are, but I do identify with what's taking you over. That I recognize. By you sharing, by you talking about your feelings and the thoughts and the reactions to life, I identified with that because I have the same ones in my head. Now, how could they possibly be mine if you have them? And how could they possibly be mine if a lot of people all around the world have my thoughts and my feelings and my reactions? There must have been a giant assumption in the way I held everything that was totally off. I was personalizing something that's not personal. It's a disease manifesting in the mental process called alcoholism. And that was the beginning of radical relief for me. And that enabled me to start seeing it instead of seeing from it. And just like if a bird flies by and my eyes are open and looking in that direction, I see it. Well, I'll tell you, because of the mind and because there's consciousness, you can see the product of mind. You can see the mental process as product. You can see the making of a self. You'll see it being reinforced. You'll see its old traits, its deep mental grooves, like in India, in Hinduism they call them some, I think, some scars. Deep mental grooves. You'll see all these character defects that you were calling yours, and you'll realize they were never yours. They're the manifestation of a disease in the mental process. And part of the disease is that it reinforces and strengthens your identification as a self. Why? Because it knows it's going to be a hostile takeover. What it's going to do with you <laughs> could be turned no less than very, very nasty. And so if it's a parasite and you're the host, it has to have a really good strategy to convince you never to question it. And I found that the head, if it's identified as a self, and the self is, let's say, the, a parasite or the product of alcoholism, and you're identified as it, you will never be able to entertain being free of it. You can only entertain getting therapy for it, maybe a little relief here and there, maybe surrendering more and more of your life to it. So it's sort of like a a big door that has the run of your house. And you know it's had the run of your house, but you can't entertain getting rid of it. You have no idea. Your mind, with any kind of... When it uses its bogus system as much as it can, which is to think, think, and think, it can never come up with the idea of being free from it. Because it's predicated in identification as it. Never to entertain that. So what do you do if the dog is big and is running around in your house? You try to lock it into one room. Then it starts barking a lot. So you give in, you let him in another room. Then it takes a big shit in that room. 
and it pisses on all the furniture, starts eating your shoes. And then you think, you know, I'll put it out in the yard. You put it out in the yard, and the neighbors call out, get rid of, keep that dog inside, it's driving everyone crazy. And then this and that, and basically, your whole life becomes preoccupied with taking care of that dog. There's no peace in it. So now, some of us have gotten recovery, and that dog is asleep. And we've learned a couple of principles that will allow that dog to stay asleep. But usually, you have to have a lot of vigilance, which to me, in mind, vigilance of mind, is, is in, it just has fear in it, lots of anxiety. Because you still believe at any moment it can wake up. But if you entertain it's not you, you can get rid of the dog. Once you get rid of the dog, like we said about that lawn, if you're busy cleaning up after a freaking dog and you're sick and tired of that and your whole life has gotten based on that preoccupation of having to clean up its mess and you can't have, you just, you're just doing the best you freaking can, someone comes over and says, hey bro, I have a good solution to, for you. And you go, what? Get rid of the dog. How can I do that? I love it. Well, you're more extremely involved with the dog. You're identified as it. You see a lot of people. When they finally hit the end of it and they just don't want to deal with it anymore, they kill themselves. They think that this has to be gotten rid of if I'm going to get rid of that. They can't see the difference between the two because they've been identified as it. To me, that's the root of the problem. In everyone's dilemma, addicts and non-addicts alike, because there's most, most, there is a system of mind called self-centeredness that everyone seems to have that same helmet. We've got a certain super turbocharged helmet called alcoholism, but most people are walking in this trance in a mental realm. When you were a kid, the reason why you can enjoy the moment so much is because you didn't entertain it could be any different. Literally. You didn't go back and go, well, this isn't as good as that last time. You didn't even have a memory of the last time. And you weren't worried about, I won't be playing next week because you didn't have any idea of next week. It was because there was no option that you really got into the moment. As soon as the thinking occurs, and in the moment a mental realm is, is offered you, which is past and future, you think, hey, things could be better than this. Fuck this moment. Or, if it's quote-unquote a really good imitation, it's going to be expired very quickly. I can't really enjoy this imitation because I know it's going to be taken away from me. How can you totally abandon yourself in this moment if the moment is broken into compartments of past and future? There's no freaking way. There will be a withholding because there will be a fear that, oh, it looks like it's a really great idea now, but what about later? Yeah. Abandonment is just that. It's without reservation, let go. Here, all there is is reservation. There's no way as a product of a mental process can you abandon yourself. Because you're always going to abandon yourself as a self, which is always going to have reservations based on time. This isn't about you escaping anything. Self cannot get out of self. You, a product of a process can't transcend the process. It's impossible. How could a product of a mental process leave the mental process and be a real solid something somewhere else? It would be nothing. It only exists in the mind. Yeah. Self exists in a mental realm. It has no, it's a phantom here. It's not even a phantom. It's not, there's no existence to it. So by thinking, thinking and thinking and thinking, it's made to seem to be a phantom. Yeah. It starts in the stage of the past and the future, and with, with that preoccupation, you miss the now. 
There is no now. There's no moment that was a passive, but let's just say it now, because that's the language. Yeah, You miss it, because when you're looking now, you're looking from there and then. When you look at something, your mind immediately compares it to something else. It always gives it name and form. It immediately interprets it. It immediately moves your attention from the conscious contact to a mental interpretation of it. It seems to be happening so fast, you don't even know what's happened. It's like seeing and an unseen. And it's immediately seeing, unseen. There's like a recognition, but there is a big gap. There's a pause there. But there's seeing, and then there's the mental reaction. I'm seeing. What is he going to do with seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching? It's the evidence of being. It can't remove it, because it has no power. So what it does is it disguises it by claiming it. It nudes it. The seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, and touching is demonstrating consciousness and contact. And yet the mind has totally usurped that and hijacked it and neutered it by claiming it. Because now, every time you see, you think you're seeing. But even now, we're sitting in a body. You can't even take a shit when you want to. If it was up to you to pump the blood, you'd be dead. You would have gotten obsessed over something that wasn't happening, and you wouldn't be happy. You would have so many segments of burritos and chips that you forgot to fully digest. Your whole, it would be a giant storage unit. You'd have like history of, of a chocolate chip I forgot to finish. You know? You'd be, you'd be so backlogged in just the daily living of a body, you would have no time to think. You'd have to be busy. Oh, let me get back to, all right, chew that burrito now. No, it's incredible. But instead, everything's involuntary, and your little head has this little megaphone going, it's me! I'm thinking! I'm hearing! I'm feeling! This is my life! These are my body! This is my problems! I be mine all over. It's that act of identification, that verbing of selfing is the bondage to it. It says, please relieve us of the bondage to self. What is the bondage to self? So let's say there's a self... And then there's something else. And for this something else, I would say a nothing else, yeah, to be bonded to this idea of self, there's got to be a damn good glue. Because it's not a natural fit. It's not, a, it's not even like putting two pieces of wood together and then you bond it with some really good wood glue. It'll look like one piece. This is like water and oil. Yeah? Spirit and matter. So here's this idea of a self. And now my attention, my mind, my enlightened mind is now going to be bonded to this idea of being a body. The mental process, yeah? That bonding agent, what is it? It says, please relieve me, or relieve us, of the bondage to self. Yeah? So I'm bonded to self. How am I bonded to self? I, act of identification. Yeah? I'm taking it to be me. What? Because, uh, first of all, the bonding is not a natural state. So the, it has to be re-glued every day. What's the glue to bind you to the idea of being a song? The daily narrative, yes. The thoughts flittering through this idea of a past and a future, overriding the ever-present invitation of now by being obsessed with there and then. as the bonding agent. Now, the mind that could entertain serenity and no peace is now entertaining separation and knows exquisite suffering. Mental suffering. And it's exquisite, isn't it? You can have the most exquisite suffering about something that's not happened. That's mind-boggling to me. I mean, in the, in the New Testament, in the Christian, whatever, Bible, there was a guy named Lazarus, and he died. And then Jesus supposedly rose him, uh, brought him back from the dead. Pretty big miracle, supposedly. Right? So there was a guy who was alive, died, and then Jesus brought him back. But you and I are bringing back something that never even happened. 
by thinking about it. <laughs> you, you may be totally consumed that you're going to have cancer in a year, but you don't have cancer now. But your mind can get so wrapped in it that you'll probably actually make cancer in your body by thinking about it so much. Yeah? The thoughts will... Because the poor body is just like a, a field of mind's expressions. Yeah? Literally. So here's the poor mind being enslaved to this mental process selfing, and its ability to entertain is so vast and powerful, it can entertain what's not happening and make it and produce an effect in the body as if it's happening. That's way past the miracle of Jesus. You're making something that never happened, happen. <laughs> That's pretty incredible. So there's a huge sense of anxiety now, and there's no threat right now. So my response to this moment is totally inappropriate. I should be chilling out, yeah? Nice temperature, no one's out to get me, I don't think, in the room. There's no one packing a gun. There's everything sort of cool. But my head is traveling in the mental realm, and as it travels, it's almost like it goes into a lint field realm. It picks up lint, tons of it. And it comes back, and then it downloads into the body, and you start feeling uncomfortable, and you don't know why. Why do I feel so uncomfortable all the time? Because you're never in this moment. You're in all the time. So it's, it's, it goes into these fields of time, harvest crops, and they manifest in your body. Anxiety, anger, resentment, nostalgia, self-pity, all these exquisite forms of suffering. And the mind being identified with the process, must entertain it. That's its nature. So the mental process presents, it's going to be so fucking bad for you, Paul, if that person ever leaves you. You're not even paying attention to her now, when you're, when you're with her, but the fear of losing her is creating an exquisite suffering. Now, oh. and you want relief, but how can you get relief from what's not happening. There's only one tried and true way recognizing it's not happening. That's the only solution. Every other solution will reinforce your going on those trips more and more. If you were hell-bent to get out of something, your mind believes you're in it. That's the dilemma. That's truly the dilemma. It's not you haven't found the best ways to get out and the ways that save you the most time and the ways that keep me out, you out of it the most. It's you believe you're in it. Your head, you don't. The mind believes it's in that dilemma and that gives it reality. And now you're busy trying to get out of it and that's how it has you, really. The only solution to what's not happening is a recognition, a very clear recognition. It's not happening. And it's very, very easy to do. Why? Because it's not happening. I mean, if it was happening, it could be difficult. But it's not happening. There's no proof other than in your mind that it's happening. Yeah? Is there? So, if this can over override everything else, I must be up the ass of this. Yeah? Literally. If nothing, if like, life can go through, come to me hearing, feeling, seeing, tasting... Touching, yeah? Knock on the door, and none of my attention leaves this porno theater. I must be really, really into this porno theater. Because life is knocking on the door every day. Seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching. What? What? Who is that? Who is that? I think they were here before. Oh, I'm afraid they'll be here later. You're missing, you know, delivery. What? What? Oh, it's going to take me so long to get into the moment. <laughs> Where are all those books about getting in the moment? I really need to get in this moment. I hear the door knocking. I get, no, no. Up here, you believe you're out of the moment. Then all the little maps and all the books and all the journeys up here offers you to get in the moment is another further way of seemingly being out of the moment. It's a recognition this is not even possible. 
feeling, seeing, tasting, touching, smelling. What is that? What's that going to intimate to you? It's going to intimate the nature of being, which is verbing. Yeah? Not the nature of being to you, because in verbing there is no noun. Life is not happening to you. Life is happening. Life is a verb. You're a verb. The mind wants to present you as a noun, and now your whole life story is about how life happened to you. I feel, I feel, I really feel you're missing it, <laughs> if that's the case. Because if something is told a story about it's happening to you, then your mind can entertain, why did it happen to me? Why didn't it happen to you? Da, 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 da. And what it does, it increases the mental realm. Yes? More and more and more, your life isn't based on seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, and touching. It's totally based on thinking. You're waiting, you go home, you have a day, and you're waiting for your head to tell you how it was. Though you were in it the whole day. Yeah. Some people, the, the time delay is years. Some people, it's maybe 8 hours, 12 hours. Some people get the message at that time of death that they were out to lunch the whole time. The mental realm will put time and inject it into this moment. And this moment is a verb, not of time. It more takes a look of a, the, the verb of a pause. An infinite, eternal moment. Yeah? Clothed in all these linear moments. But there's a pause. That pause is a portal to eternity. When mind, and all we're doing is this, we're dropping a simple invitation into the mind arena. Yeah? And we're hoping it's going to catch the mind's eye that's being absorbed by looking at the mental process. And the invitation is, I'm not that. Yeah? That mental process you're totally absorbed in, maybe, just maybe, I'm not that. And when, if the mind... Because its ability to entertain, allow, if it can get through the, the mail slot of the mental process, because what's going to run and grab the invitation is going to be the mental process. And it's going to, oh, this is nothing, and then throw it away. Oh, no. There's nothing to do and have here, let's throw it away. But if it's all, if these invitations have been offered over and over again, they'll be all around the little realm. Your mind may fall upon it one day. And not adorned with selfing, may pick it up and go, I'm not that. And bingo, it's entertained the truth. Not as a self, but as mind. And then it sees, doesn't see from, it sees. And immediately, there's a recognition, immediately, no time whatsoever, of its possibility. Yes? Because now, its ability to entertain isn't clothed with the selfing. It's freed, and now, like in recovery, it says, you will know peace and comprehend the word serenity. You will have a new freedom and a new happiness. You will have not the freedom and the happiness, the self-centeredness, the selfing presents you, which is always based on time and, and you accruing value or losing value. Yeah? But no, a new peace and a new happiness. A new attitude and a new outlook. What happened? You've been trying to have a new attitude and a new outlook all your freaking life. How ha Every time you pick up a new pair of glasses, the old pair of glasses override it sooner or later. Yeah? Every new, every new thing you find becomes an old thing, doesn't it? As soon as it gets represented a few times, that new solution is the same old, same old. But no, because that's mind entertaining it through... The bondage of self, when it's free, it will entertain serenity and no peace. It will have a new freedom, a new happiness, based on it not being that. And then you'll know the problem by the solution. You will know, hey, that was that. Now what happens? Maybe the mind will get attracted and go back in to the habit of selfing. 
and then it will start entertaining this message as if you are going to get it, and you are going to have to do and have something, which is not the message. But if you keep coming back or hear other people, there'll be enough times a free sample will occur where there'll be a seeing unadorned by selfing, and it'll have a huge impact on what you call your life. You will travel lighter. You'll start having immunity to thought, probably, because you won't be holding every thought as yours. And you'll see that the thoughts aren't even about you, they're about self, and they're not yours. You never thought one of them. And as soon as that's held that way, what happens is you lose interest and attention to that process of mind, selfing. You can't lose interest, you just lose interest in that. You don't. You can't lose attention, you just lose attention in that. You have tons of, of attention and interest, but now it's not being put into that black hole of selfing. What does it do? I don't know, you'll find out. It will start free-ranging, and your attention will go here and there. Maybe you'll lose interest in yourself and gain interest in others, like it says in Recover. Maybe you'll give up your little plans and designs, da-da-da-da. These are, these are explanations or uh, descriptions of an effect of a psychic change. Not that what, it's not an effect that you brought about, it's an effect of a psychic change. When you leave, when the mind leaves the modality of doing and having, and now is in the modality of entertaining. And entertaining takes absolutely no time. When the entertaining is put into selfing, it becomes entertaining, I have to do and have something to get something. That's the only way it works in there. This is out of that. You come right out of time and you entertain, hey, I'm okay now. Not based on, oh, well, I'll be okay when I go on the retreat next weekend. No, now. Oh, I'll be okay when I get home and read the book, How to Get into the Moment. No, now. And it catches you so, it catches with your proverbial pants down. You know, for, maybe for a while it's uncomfortable because you have nothing to do with it. <laughs> you have absolutely no relevance in it. <laughs> So all your objections get overridden like that. <laughs> Crazy. I want to have something to do with this. Nope. I'm gonna I'm gonna make it into a path that I'm gonna do and have myself, and so I can critique myself every step of the way. And actually, I'll be busy playing God about the topic of God. <laughs> I'll be looking in the mirror. Look how good I have this lovely distant stare now. Just lovely. <laughs> I didn't have that a year ago. I've been really practicing hard, meditating a lot. Purified myself. Fifteen kilometers. <laughs> I don't touch anything. Anything that's packaged. I just rip it off out of the land and off trees. I'm as pure as fucking I can possibly be. And I'm so clear. It's unbelievable. The clarity. I know you don't have it, but the clarity is so beautiful for me. I wish I could tell you how to do it, but I don't think you have the balls to do it anyway, so I just sort of have pity on you. No. It's such a beautiful thing, because really, if you don't have peace, you can't lose it. If you don't believe something can be privatized, you can't believe it can be lost. If you believe that you attain something, you will believe you can do something to lose it. It's just that simple. But if you take out that whole modality of getting and doing and having, and then losing because you don't do and have, right? then what happens is you're presented with the overriding at all times, everywhere you are, with no requirement necessary, presence of this solution. Literally. That's why they say it's an open secret. It's An open secret wouldn't be a secret. And it's a gateless gate. There's no gate. So therefore there can't be a gatekeeper, first of all, because there's no fucking gate. Yeah? There's no thing you have to go through, no papers you have to do. You are that which you're seeking. It's just being misnamed. You're calling it Paul, which hides it in a great way. You'll never look at you'll never look exactly where it's looking from to see it. You'll always be looking outside. <laughs> Has it worked out well for you?
How many books do you have in your age books? Do you ever read ever? Did you ever you know, finish one of them? Probably not. <laughs> Just looking. At you. All right, now I know how to get in the moment. All right, I'm going to get busy. I'm fighting. This is getting in the moment. I got to get my. All right. That's actually the verb of selfing, quote unquote, being out of the moment. All the pantomimes to really get in the moment is actually the verb of selfing, being out of the moment. That was the one of the best things I ever heard. When I dawned on me, why would I want to get in the moment? I can't get out of it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Every time I think about the future, I'm doing it now. And every time there's a thought about the past, it's happening now. The whole, everything's going on right now. That's the solution. As soon as it's partitioned in time, it can become the problem. throw something in there. First, we're not saying you have to stop doing that. All you have to do is see it and then, and then add one little thing, and I'm not that. That's going back and forth. I don't care about the mental process. I care when it's taken to be you. Okay, but what I'm trying to say is that it's easy to, to say that. It's a little bit hard to do that. It's impossible to do it. The only way it happens is the recognition that it's always happened. If this was meant to be brought about by you, that would be playing God once again. This is always so. It's happening. That's the solution. It doesn't start happening when you uh, approve it by putting your attention on it. <laughs> it's always so. The whole point is, I like describing what's not, what's not happening. Because in the seeing of that, yeah, maybe there'll be a free sample of, you'll see it, not from it, but see it as what's not you, that's a sample to me. That's all that it is. There's nothing needed to be done. You just have to see there's no one doing it. Yeah? And that's very easy to see because that's so. If it was based on you changing the way you look to see it, that would be ridiculous. It would be impossible. Because if you, if it was based on you changing your view to see it, then something would change your view back not to see it. That ain't it. 
It's just entertaining what's not, seeing what's not so, and in that, that's the entertaining of what's so. Because what's so is your conscious. Yeah. Not with the name Paul in front of it. That's Paul's conscious. No. I would say your consciousness. And that's the act of being conscious, is seeing. So let's just see, instead of losing that sense of seeing by constantly seeing from a mental idea. Life is demonstrating the beingness of it all at every moment. I mean, it's the imitation's constantly available, but it's being, it's being picked up or put down by a you. That's not it, you see? When, all I'm saying is, just see if that you is you. If it isn't, that's picking up the invitation. You realize there was nothing ever to pick up. You're unconscious. That's that. No matter how many heinous things you think to have done to make you unconscious, you're still freaking conscious. Yeah? It's a recognition of the obvious. But when you when that consciousness is claimed by the mental process, and it's you that's conscious, that allows you to be unconscious. Then you think conscious and unconscious is based on what you do and have. That's playing God. This is about seeing that with the entertaining invitation, I'm not that. It's not like saying it, it's just seeing it. You've heard it here. Yeah? Hopefully the spiritual subpoena has been served. You've heard it. So now there could be a movement and you can see, not from it, but see it. And by seeing it, that's being what you are. Conscious. And that will dawn on you. That's that. It's the act of consciousness. It's the verb of being. That's what I am. I've never been a noun that could be unconscious or conscious, nor will I ever be, nor was I ever one. All that has been going on is being in here. And I've recognized that by seeing what I'm not. What allows me to see what I'm not? Unconscious. Ding! Not Paul, that would be bang. The ding would be claimed and then it wouldn't ding. It'd be something else. But there's a hit. And a number of hits, so maybe one hit will do. Your head, the calibration shifts and you start seeing anew. Yeah. Maybe it won't be as big and grand as you thought, but you inevitably have to admit you're traveling lighter than before you heard this message. So the fucking thing works, even here. Literally. I watch people's faces that have come here. What do you think I'm doing here all day, sitting here? Dude, let me see. Got some agen in my freezer. There's a recognition. I see mine as mine, not as you. And I see it. And I have total, utmost confidence in it. I know mind is mind. I know it entertains. I know it can comprehend the word serenity and peace and all that. I know it. I know it. Prior to all knowing here, I know that. And the act of it being conscious is available at all times. So how difficult will it be to entertain something that's true? Not at all. But how we entertain it, this is the dilemma of selfing, is you entertain it as a self, and that's what's not true. Not what you're entertaining, but what's entertaining it. See, that's how it neuters it. The message gets neutered by you entertaining it. Yeah? You, the falseness, is trying to entertain the truth. This is, see this is seeing this, oh, as the falseness, that's entertaining truth. And I found it translates here as a traveling lighter in this action figure world. And who, you know, shit. <laughs> I'd much rather have that dog totally asleep and, and the ASPCA come with a big truck and take it to Mongolia. And now I am pretty confident and trusting that there's peace abounds because the dog's nowhere to be seen. I don't have to have, be vigilant. I don't have to make sure... <clears throat> Disturb the dog. I'm like a free-range recovering person. Now. Don't have to be near the coop. I'm running around, doing whatever I'm doing. It's, it's a wonderful way to go. If I stop right this second, the only thing that stopped wasn't what I was. So hallelujah.
the more the grabbing more of life is like this. Not like this. It's like this. When your hands are empty, your fucking life is full. When your hands are full, worry abounds. Mind is going off. But when your hands are empty, life is fucking full. If I died up like that, that's fine, damn shit. How many experiences have you consumed? How many have you collected? Has it made a damn bit of difference? A million spiritual experiences. Has it changed anything radical? Probably not. Now you just think you're a spiritual self. This is something else. It's just a quick recognition. One little glimmer of that flame informs you that it's an eternal flame. All you have to do is your mind can entertain its nature by this tiniest little sample. Yeah. And now maybe we'll, because here we are on the stage of time, maybe you'll play it out in time. So what? Like in the Course it says, we're all inherently awake, but we seem to be appearing in this dream. So what's going to happen is you're going to dream yourself out of it, and while you're doing that, the dream's going to get happier. <laughs> Sounds like a great deal to me. Yeah? So to me, coming here on a Wednesday night is like the dream's gotten happier. Before, I'd be doing something else, you know. So, you want to end with a oh, pass the basket? Yeah. Can we use your hat too?